Hi, I'm Chris Grimm, founder, coach, principal consultant of RA Consulting. For 24 years, we've been serving leaders and their teams around the world. This podcast, which I wanted to call The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, but it's called And Then I, is nothing scripted, nothing fancy. I promise that we'll be talking about successes and failures. It's the gold, I call it, that you find um, only in real stories with real leaders in real time. With that, I invite you to sit back, uh, soak up the wisdom here of these everyday superheroes. Enjoy. Hi, everybody. It's Chris Grimm. Welcome to And Then I. Uh, I am excited. I'm always excited. Uh, but today I'm extra excited to talk with Reagan Nelson. Um, I'm not going to do a long intro because I actually want the podcast to be about your story. Um, full transparency, everybody. We did our pre-call and I had so many notes that I stopped myself and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to wait for podcast day and then ask my questions then and let this flow because um, my headline, and then I'm going to pass it to you, is in my notes. I'm like, she's such an intentional person. And I feel like you've worked hard to get your life fully aligned. And just for our listeners, what I mean by that is I feel like your day job and your podcast and your life are like, it's all aligned. And so many people in our coaching like struggle to do that. Um, yeah. Well, so, thank you. <laughs> thanks for being here. I'm honored. I was just telling someone before that I'm not used to being sort of in the hot seat. I'm used to right. answering or asking the questions. So this yeah. is fun, a nice role reversal. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, look, uh, also full transparency, everybody listening or watching, um, she actually is really good at podcasting. So I was, you know, slightly nervous, but then I thought, yeah, not really. Um, uh, her podcast, uh, This or Something Better is what, about 50, 60 episodes? Yeah, 50, 55, I believe. It's I started amazing. it in September of 2020. Okay, that's amazing. I missed that. I, I thought you had started it way before that. So wait, let's just roll back for a minute. I'd just love for you to maybe do a little intro. I don't know how you yeah. talk yeah, about yourself to people. And then I we mean, get to- Yeah, talking about yourself is hard, right? <laughs> uh, especially when you're used to talking about other people. Um, well, a quick background. Um, my name is Reagan Nelson. I live in Sun Valley, Idaho, which is where I grew up. As Chris said, that's very much a part of the alignment that I've found in my adult life. Uh, we came about a year and a half ago from Portland, Oregon, where I had been for 17 years. My academic background is in exercise physiology. I studied in undergrad and graduate school. And then I had this bright light that was Nike and I worked for free for a number of months as an intern in the Nike sports research lab to try to get a job that was my dream job. And at the end of the summer of doing the work, they hired someone else. And I, yeah, yeah, it was a, it was a low moment in my life, but that was my first, this or something better moment. And that term came from a very dear friend of mine. She is a mentor and she also was my nanny, a very long, long time ago. It's kind of a funny story. And she said to me, she goes, Reagan, it's either this or something better. Mm. And at the time, of course, it was really hard to see that there was something better because that's why I had gone to grad school. I had worked for free and then I wasn't good enough, mm. but I was good enough for them to hire me for the next two months and paid at that point until the woman who they had hired could, could come. And so I figured, you know, my ego was bruised, but I knew that I was better off continuing to work internally at Nike and try to, you know, pound the pavement for a different job than I was to, to leave it, to leave. We call it the berm at Nike to walk outside the berm. And so I stayed and I made more connections and four months later, I think it was, a, I, I got a job offer in December of that year. So October, I finished two months later, I got a job offer. And then in January 10th of 2004 was when I officially began my, my employment at Nike. And I was there for six years and it was a magical place. It was everything that I had dreamed it to be. And 
And then, then it wasn't Mm -hmm. (laughs) six years later, it wasn't. Mm -hmm. And that was a big, another, this or something better moment point for me in my life. And I was moved into a role that had no definition. I like definition. Mm -hmm. I like to know what I'm doing and how to be successful in that role. And they didn't really know what to do with me. Reorgs happen all the time in big companies at Nike. We joked the only thing that was constant is change. And so it was very commonplace, but it wasn't, it didn't work for me too much ambiguity. And I was miserable emotionally. I was miserable. I cried all the time. I hated going to work. And my husband said to me one night, he's like, why don't you just start your own business? And I had been working in product testing at Nike and innovation. And what I'd found is that very few companies have robust services like that product testing services like Nike did. Mm -hmm. And so I saw an opportunity to provide that work as a consultant. And I guess I was naive. I mean, not, I don't guess I was naive. I was naive. I was quite young. I was 29, 30, you know, this was my first job out of graduate school. I was there for six years and I just thought, well, this isn't working for me. So I'm going to try something else. And I was fortunate enough that we could survive without my salary and which is a a blessing. Not everyone. I like to recognize that not everyone has that luxury to say like, I can quit my job and still be able to pay my mortgage. And we were in a place that we could do that. And so I quit my job and I started a business, which at the time was called sport lab. And I hit the pavement. I leveraged every connection I'd had from Nike. And one of the benefits of working at such a big company is that people move around a lot. So people go from Nike to Adidas, to Under Armour, to wherever else. And, and I had made a really big network in my six years. And so I started reaching out to all of them. I made business cards and a website, which, you know, was something very new to me. And I went to Outdoor Retailer, which is this huge uh, retail show that happens every August. It used to be in Salt Lake City. Now it's in Denver. And all the big brands go there to, you know, show the retail space, their new lines, they write orders. And I went with my business cards and I was literally going booth to booth, talking to people and handing out my card. It was like cold calling. Yeah. It's so brave. It was like looking back, I'm like, gosh, I was, you know, naive. And, but I knew I'm like, okay, if I'm, people would say, are you going to be at OR? I'm like, yeah, I'm going to be at OR. And so I had a meeting with some people at from Columbia Sportswear, which is also based in Portland. It happened to be at OR. We could have met in Portland, but that got me a job. And then I got a connection with a a Nike partner who made Nike's yoga mats. And I got some work through that. And just slowly, I started building this amazing business all on referrals and leveraging my network, which I, I like to think I have two superpowers. One is connecting people. I love to connect people. Um, Chris, you and I talked about that the first time we talked. That's right. We know a lot of the same people. Yeah, we know a lot of the same yeah. people. And I love to connect people. My brain works that such as if you have an interest in something and I know someone who else has a business that they're doing that, I want to connect you. And I do it. And then my other superpower is, um, you know, just thinking, now I'm blanking on my superpower. <laughs> <laughs> I love that so much. Actually. Connecting people. This is my brain. Cause we were talking about the meeting. I don't, I have this, I have another superpower. Oh, thank you. I'm back to it. Cause I said it leveraging my network. That's my other superpower. I'm human too, people. We all, we all forget things. It's the phones. It's really the phones. I'm listening to, I'm interviewing a woman named Catherine Price who wrote how to break up with your phone. She also has a new book called, called the power of fun coming out. And I'm listening to how to break up with your phone right now for the second time. And right now I'm in this section about how it, it ruins your memory, both your short-term and long-term memory technology. So I blame I technology that. that I could not remember my other superpower, which is probably a sign that I should get off technology so that I can reclaim my superpower. <laughs> I thought it was brilliant, actually. Uh, so good. <laughs> Leveraging my network. 
networks, connecting people and leveraging my network. And I, I think always, you have a third one. I think you have a third superpower that maybe you'll have to think about. You don't have to claim it today, but I have to tell you thus far, I'm like, oh yeah, you're really resilient too. And not in a shallow way. Um, and for a lot of people right now, it's a superpower they wish they had. So well, thank you. That's a yeah, big compliment. Yeah. It's something I believe resiliency is one of our most important traits. I have a 10 and a half year old daughter, and it's something I am trying on a daily basis to teach her because, you know, there are times we get knocked down in life and they happen over and over again. And this really speaks truly to my podcast and the name in those moments, we have a choice. We have a choice to either accept this, which could be good. In some cases, this is great. There doesn't always have to be something else or there's something better. And one of my favorite cartoons is this picture of a man who has all these boxes and the boxes are loaded on his shoulder. And I think the label is like mistakes or failures. Mm. And then below it is another picture of a man who's taking those boxes and he's stacking them into stairs and he's climbing up his mistakes and failures. And that's really how I try to look at everything in my life as a moment where I can find something better and I can keep putting one foot in front of the other and I can build those boxes back up again and find my way out. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it's ironic or coincidental, but in every circumstance in my life, I've found the something better. And I tell people the something better exists for the people who are willing to do the hard work mm-hmm. and stay the course. Consistency you know, and motivation. It's completely true. I just want to tell you, I just recorded, in fact, for our listeners and, and people watching, it's not even released yet, but by the time this is out, it will be. I, the podcast that I did right before this a few days ago was with, um, an amazing woman who was a public company CEO. Her name's, uh, Carol Lavin Burnick. Uh, she was CEO of Alberto Culver company, which is a big consumer products, um, company, billions of dollars that she sold to Unilever, uh, but she just had so much in her life. And so Reagan, what's interesting as you were talking is I'm like, yeah, we just, interestingly enough, like Carol and I just spent time talking about how a fundamental part of resilience is doing what you just said. And you just said it well, right? You've got to face reality first. Like resilience isn't like shallowly getting away from problems. Yeah. It's fitting with it. Like you're talking about with a mantra like this or something better, whatever that anchoring belief that you have. But like you're saying, like facing the fact of whatever it is, this isn't right, it's not working, I didn't get what I wanted, but not staying stuck there, right? Like facing it and then moving forward and having the courage to move forward, even though you might not know what's next and you might still be grieving what you thought should have happened. Um, Yeah. I don't remember where it was. It was in a podcast recently. And I've been sharing this with my team that I work with a lot because confidence is such an important word. And we talk about having confidence. And I said to my team after I'd heard it again, I can't remember. I think it was on the armchair expert um, podcast that Kristen Bell and Monica did this like 10 series, which is great. I highly recommend it to anyone. Um, It's, it was called, I'm going to, I'm going to blank on the name of it, but anyway, it's on the armchair expert platform, but they just had a special series, long story. So she said, you don't have to be confident. You just have to have the courage to do it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really big distinction because sometimes I'm not confident, but I do it anyway. I have yeah. the courage. So I think courage is a precursor to confidence and it can help you build your confidence. And that's something that I've learned in life is that it takes practice. And Bonnie Wan, one of my podcast guests, she wrote uh, something called the life brief. She really, Mm. she evaluated her entire life and changed it. And she talks about the life brief being about practice. So I think that's a really important word because we don't get good at something if we don't practice it. And so you, you mentioned at the beginning about this alignment in my life and that exists because of practice. 
it didn't happen overnight. It wasn't a snap of the fingers. It was, it's been years of making decisions and practicing things that align with my values and my passions. And that's, what's gotten me to this place. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, let's go back to the story because I'm still dying to find out where where the leaps were because it's, it's yeah it's, it's it's so good so um, okay. well you know my so, network along the way provided me with some amazing opportunities I ended up uh, I had a, I had a baby about a year after I left Nike and so that was a you know a small lull in my professional career because I decided to focus on having a a child, which was great. And I was lucky that again, that I could, uh, afford to take that time. I found an amazing new community in bar three community is also a really important part of what I do. I, with my background in exercise physiology, I te- taught exercise classes and I was work bar three. It's a fitness studio that was founded in Portland. Um, and, but is yeah. now all over the country and all of, yeah, it's yeah. such a, it's a great workout and they offer childcare And so when my daughter was six months old, I became an instructor and then I became a quasi master trainer. They um, was filming online workouts, which was fun and a great preparation for being a podcaster. I I learned a lot about being on video and talking and all the things. And I did that for four years. And, and that was an incredible time of my life that connected me with women who were at like stages, who had like-minded passions. And that was a really huge part of building me up. It also was a really big part of my health journey, my evolution in how I viewed health and wellness and self-acceptance and what is health and what do we need to be doing to be healthy? Because bar three does a really great job of framing that in a really, um, lovely way that was at the time, I think very new and Sadie Lincoln is a great leader in that regard. And I grew a lot from that time and then it served me well. And like everything else, this or something better, I moved on and focused a bit more on my consulting career. And I've worked with startups, um, that were a a bra company, a great company called Evelyn and Bobby. They make bra and underwear. And I worked with them for about four years as a consultant doing all sorts of different things. And then I got just sort of referral after referral again, like I never have really pounded the pavement for business since I went to outdoor retailer, (laughs) um, somewhat by choice, because I have been balancing being a mother and um, a full-time mother in that I was really squeezing my work hours into like eight to three. And because it was important to me that I picked her up from school every day and took her to our activities and was present for all of those things. And it was also important to me that I worked out and exercised during those periods. So I was trying to balance my sanity with my professional career. And some days I did that better than others. And sometimes I had childcare and support and sometimes I didn't. And, and so that was a a great period of my life. And then the next thing that found me or I, I, or the timing was right was about three and a half years ago when a friend of mine who I'd been buying beauty counter products from said, Hey, I know I asked you like three years ago and you said, no, never, but would you ever consider joining beauty counter? I think you'd be a great asset to our mission. And I was like, ah, sure. Why not? I'll give it a try. And that chapter or this chapter of my life has probably been not probably it has been the most personally and professionally fulfilling chapter of my life uh, because it has aligned I think as you said my personal life and my personal values and passions with my professional life I'm very passionate about health and wellness I'm not sure I think there's this deep drive to keep the people around me safe, um, and healthy because mm-hmm. my dad lost both his parents at a very young age, uh, to cancer. His brother died at 40 of cancer. I never smoked cigarettes. My dad never smoked cigarettes. He's the only one in his family who's alive. His parents and brother were all smokers. Wow. And so I think there's this, um, sort of deep down generational drive for me 
to, to not be in that position that my dad was. I never knew my grandparents. I didn't really know my uncle. Hmm. And so when beauty counter came up and presented me this mission to get safer products into the hands of everyone through our personal care products and being a physiologist and understanding that the skin is the largest organ of your body and what you put on it truly matters. It was this light bulb moment to me. And I had this sense of obligation and also I'm an Enneagram three achiever. So, um, we don't really match. (laughs) It was the perfect match things. And so I'm like, you know what, I'm going to do this. And that was three and a half years ago. And it's a huge part of my life. I still am very actively consulting. I have clients, um, you know, Nike is my client still to this day. And I have projects with them in my consumer insights business and product testing. And then I do beauty counter. And then, cause I wasn't busy enough. I decided to add a podcast to it <laughs> because you didn't like to sleep. Yeah. Uh, uh, wait, let's stay with Beauty Counter for a little bit. Uh, I, it's a company that I think um, some people know, more people are learning about it. Um, yeah, let's talk a little bit since I have a lot of leadership lessons I'm always trying to coach people on. Um, is it all women? It's predominantly women. We do have male consultants. You know, it's the beauty industry is somewhat female driven and Beauty yeah. Counter is trying to approach it in a somewhat gender neutral way and welcoming men into our community as well. But I'm going to be quite honest. I've studied community for my day job, if you want to call it that. Mm -hmm. And men don't do community like women do community. I'm sorry to all the guys who listening, but they don't need it. It's, it's not a part of their hormonal and energetic needs. They Mm -hmm. just, I mean, look at any big movement, the suffragettes, mothers against drunk drivers, it's all women. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is a, while we like to try to make things, you know, dual gender, I think there's also something to celebrate about women coming together with a passion and a mission and how powerful that can be Mm -hmm. and what a change can be made. And I think that's okay that there, that men aren't a part of it. I mean, I think that's okay. Yeah, for sure. Look, it's so interesting. Uh, you're saying that so early in my, probably my consulting career, um, first of all, I ended up, uh, people listening, uh, watching, probably have heard this before, you know, Art is 25 years old coming up here. And, um, you know, so I've been coaching people for a long time and it was mostly men for the bulk of probably the first 10 years of our work. Um, and by the way, I, I, I love that. I, I love this business. I built the business that way. And then somewhere along the line, some of our corporate environments started having more women above the VP level. And I say that because that's usually who they were investing in above the VP level for coaching. And I, I tend to agree with you, but I think it about all gender, whatever, like right now, I feel like it's a confusing conversation for most people, but when people talk with me as leaders about like, how do I handle diversity, inclusion, equity, et cetera, I'm just like, we need to get the best from everyone. Yeah. We can't treat everyone the same. No, We shouldn't actually be wanting that. We should treat everyone with respect and then give them what they need and try to pull the best out of them. So I'm, I'm totally with you. And I think that there is some beauty. Last thing I'll say, and then I'm going to give this back to you is as you were talking, I was remembering, and I don't know if it's Lois Frankel or who the author was, who at the time were kind of the leading authors around female leadership. This was probably in the late 1990s, you know, when female leadership was a thing. Um, because as opposed to just leadership, right? As opposed to leadership in general, like female leadership. Oh, it's different because women do something different. Yeah. And the way she did it for, so people on audio only, I'm waving my hands in the air. Um, but she did this hand gesture where she said, men are socialized in a hierarchy. Like even if you look at boys, um, from early sports, right? Like they naturally 
um, coalesce and then a leader emerges, right? There's a top dog of every pack um, and that that's kind of built into the way boys, men socialize. I don't know if there's somebody out there who's listening and you want to argue about it. That's great. Tell me the new thing. I'm willing to learn that. Um, but the other hand gesture she made was that women, and so people who can't see it, I'm, I'm going out of the triangle and into a flat, putting my hands together and making a straight line. And she said, women are actually, you know, we were the gatherers. We were the people who had to multitask because we're built to do that. And so, yes, we create community because for women, if you think about all through history, the role that women played, oftentimes men went hunting, men went to war, men went to these places. Women stayed and took care of all the children as a village. They gathered berries and plants together. They, they had to. Yeah. So I, I totally think that all the time, like you were talking and I'm like, oh yeah, I still can see this person making these two arm gestures. And I still think it's true today. And so trying to get everybody to act the same. I, I just don't know if it's the right thing. So anyway, let's come back to beauty counter because I'm fascinated by the way, when I meet anybody who's leading in organizations where the scale is tipped to one side or the other, because I'm so used to being in organizations where we had mostly men for a really yeah. long time. Um, so tell me about what is unique about that culture and, and how do you find um, leading the founder of the company, Greg Renfrew, who's an amazing leader herself and entrepreneur, she was really intentional in the in the way she created this business. She has experience in e-commerce and, you know, with Martha Stewart and Tommy Hilfiger and every level. And she decided to make Beauty Counter a direct direct to consumer network marketing, social selling, whatever words you want to use very intentionally because she knew that the mission was best told person to person. Yep. What was, I think the surprising byproduct was the movement that was created. Hmm. And it's amazing to see that connection and that unity that exists from people who are from all walks of life and across North America you know, Republicans and Democrats alike, black and white and Latina, and everyone is unified by this one single mission. And I've never seen anything like it. Hmm. And it's a really, you know, like any sales organization, there's still competition. Um, be, not, I want to say competition because you're competing against yourself. You know, you're, you, what the work you do, uh, determines the outcome. So you can be as successful as you want to be. And as hard as you're willing to work, that will, you know, you will reap the rewards, which is one of the things I like about it. You are your own boss. You're at no one else's disposal, which is great. And on top of that, the most amazing thing is that there is an infrastructure and support system that I have never seen in any company I've worked for that is providing personal and professional development. So we had Spencer Mandel who, who created Insta stories. He was the creative director of Instagram. Yep. He did, I think a three, three series training on how to use Instagram and how to get people's attention. I mean, That's so great. people pay tons of money to hear people like him speak. Mm -hmm. When you're a beauty counter consultant, you get that for free. We had um, at our annual le leadership conference, which was virtual this past year, we had Glennon Doyle. We had Mindy Grossman, who's the C CEO of WW Weight Watchers. We had, I loved this one specifically, the head of insights from Chanel, this woman, yeah. Blondine, shared their like insights from the season, which, you know, working in insights, I was like, oh, this is going to be so good. And, and it's amazing. And I've as I said, I think I've experienced more personal and professional development in the last three and a half years because of this company. My confidence has increased because of the company. And more importantly, I've had this ability to impact the lives of others. And that's uh, twofold. One, I'm getting safer products into the hands of my friends and family. They're not using 
the crappy stuff anymore that has formaldehyde in it. And that's a huge win for me. Cause whenever I see someone like with dial soap or Axe deodorant, I'm like, please stop using that or sunscreen with oxybenzone in it. I'm like, please stop using that. Um, because that's, again, my mission is about the health. So I love doing that. I've made amazing changes in people's lives that way. But on top of that, I have this team of women that I work with and we meet once a week pretty regularly. And then I coach them one-on-one throughout the week. And I have seen incredible change in some of these women, women who had no confidence and they didn't even have courage. And now they have this amazing ability to put themselves out there Mm -hmm. and I was missing that for a number of years, not working in a corporate environment or a team environment where I was able to really help people and lead and use my skills to help further theirs. And that has been really, really fantastic. So it's been a a fun part of my journey. I, I think that Beauty Counter, I know there's a number of other organizations out there. You know, I, it's hard to, it's hard, hard to keep up actually. Yeah. Um, you know, but the, the, I, I call it like the self-empowering business. Like, you know, I remember when I was young, my mom, you know, did a whole bunch of things where they had parties and they did all these things and, you know, she would get super excited and she would do that to your point. Now the sophistication level around this has completely changed. You know, this is, I believe aligned with the values that are emerging, right? Yeah. More and more want independence more and more people want to kind of have success on their own terms and you know not just because of covid and uh we're we're recording this in you know november 2021 so we are in the what i'm calling the shadow of the pandemic that's Um, a great great (laughs) great word i like that people are saying it's post covid and i'm like yeah it doesn't feel very post yet no Um, we're still in it to try and predict anything but but so we're still in the shadow of it right and i think that even before the pandemic more and more people were starting to think about their life outside of the definition like you're saying of a corporate hierarchy or the title given to them by someone else or their what i call in the work we do you know alignment with corporate values. I've spent 25 years, Reagan, helping people align themselves. When you get paid to be an executive coach, that's what you do. Yeah. Go up at Nike and I say, awesome, I'm going to help you be better here. Mm -hmm. The here is paying me to do that. And over the years, a trend that I think I have absolutely witnessed, and I think my peers would all say the same thing, at a certain point in time, it started to feel like, oh, wait, time out. I don't think that's really my job anymore. And the organizations have to start to realize the days of people working places for 10 or 20 years is going away, right? We're not raising kids to live in organizations. I'm not. Yeah. Um, no. Your daughter's significantly younger than my kids who are 22 and 18. They might surprise me, but I don't, I don't think those are the values of the future. So org brands are going to have to be creative in the way they think. So as we're talking about this, I'm like, oh yeah, I mean, beauty counter is going to thrive because it's here for all the right reasons. And it's allowing people to, to do what they have to do to help themselves be successful while the place is successful. Like everybody. And the great thing too, about beauty counter, I think is really different than some of the other companies and I don't fault them, but it's really the, the reason why I'm a part of it. It's because they're using commerce as an engine for change. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if there had not been that component of it, I probably would not have lent my time and energy to it. But to that point, I don't fault anyone who is looking for an opportunity to make money on their own terms. Mm -hmm. And I think there's, there's a stigma around these types of businesses. We're trying to you know, demystify them. Um, and there's also a stigma around women wanting to make money. Yeah. If I I saw something the other day that said, if, uh, if network marketing businesses were run by men, there'd be no like skepticism. Mm. (laughs) I'm like, that could be right. That could be right. I really yeah, think it would be baggage for sure. I, I agree. I think it does have some social baggage. 
But like I said, I think that's going to go away. I, I honestly believe, you know, I was just, uh, I'm going to South by Southwest and we're have some business stuff um, that we're preparing to do there. And um, so I'm always looking at who's presenting in the panels and, you know, what are the trending topics, if you will. Um, and, you know, this, this is actually a topic, not specifically about beauty counter or network marketing or any of those things. But the idea that sooner or later, the only businesses that are going to survive, whether that's 10, 20 years from now, are things that are concerned about social impact, right? Yeah. The idea of selling crap and lots of it is going to go away again, because we are raising children with yeah. a completely different set of values. Conscious consumerism is so important. I mean, and look, look at you even mentioning about like family health and food and chemicals like you're talking about. And, you know, this probably leads us into your podcast, frankly, because as yeah. I was looking at your podcast and listening to some of them, I'm like, yes, this is the relevant conversation. Like you, you happen to have been ahead of the game or, or maybe you just joined the game. Um, but, but I think it is the future conversation, like more and more consumers are going to put pressure on companies to act better, to be better, to produce better things or else. Yeah. And that's really, you know, the podcast came out of this time where, I mean, it was spring of 2020 and everything was doom and gloom. And I felt that there was so much despair and because of the world that I work in, I see so many people doing good things, good things for the health of themselves, for their families, for their communities, planet. And I thought it was a really cool opportunity to share stories of hope. So on the podcast, I, I interview people who I view as positive change makers or innovators who are doing things to make people or the planet better. Mm -hmm. And like I think we said about 55, 56 episodes in, and I've had an array of topics. Um, I've had the VP of social mission from beauty counter. And we talked about, uh, you know, the laws or lack thereof over the personal care industry I've had, um, yeah. I'm trying to think, I mean, just a, so many, it's a huge range and it's been really fulfilling. And I hope that the reach grows because we all need stories of hope and yeah. the, the news is still doom and gloom. <laughs> and I, I try not to pay attention to it. I used to, for about two years, I chose what I called intentional ignorance where I didn't look at anything. So if you asked me what was going on in the world, I really did not know if there was some massive thing and it was intentional for a number of reasons. One, I was just kind of depressed by everything going on. And two, I had enough going on in my personal life with my child and my work that I didn't feel like I needed to add the stress of the world to my shoulders. I've kind of put it back on my shoulders by doing this podcast, because I feel as if I need to stay up on what's going on and people who I should be having, uh, you know, relevant conversations with. Yeah. And so while it's come with some cost, the benefit has been, um, more than I could have ever imagined. I feel like I'm going to school. That's yeah. I, I keep telling people because right now I don't monetize the podcast. I support it with my beauty counter business. It's essentially a write-off from that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm at a point where I'm trying to evaluate as a business person. I'm like, what, I would never start another business that loses money only loses right. money. So I'm yeah. kind of like, how do I change this? But right now I'm okay with it. It's like paying to go to school. Yeah. I have learned so much and about things I would never have thought I would learn about. Like the plight of girls in Nepal. I have an amazing interview with a, a childhood friend who started an organization called the little sisters fund where they pay for the education of girls in Nepal because girls in Nepal are not sent to school. Boys are viewed as the golden child. They will have girl after girl after girl until they get a boy. And then when they get the boy, they send the boy to school and the girls don't get to go to school because they put all of their money into the girl, the boy, because he will stay with the family and bring his wife in. Whereas the girls go to live with their husband's family. So connecting with this friend who I haven't you know seen in 25 years and maybe more 
And now my family and I were sponsoring a little girl in Nepal. We're paying for education. My daughter is writing letters with her. So things like that would have never happened unless I took this leap and decided to try something new. And the worst thing I was going to do was make some episodes, spend some money and then fail. And it wouldn't be failure because I've gained so much from it. So that's where I am with the podcast. It's really fun. And some days it it's work. Um, you know, I, as you were talking about your editor, I also have an editor, so I was smart. This is one of the best things I can tell anyone. If a skill is not something you want to learn and you don't have time in your life, outsource it. So podcast editing was not a skill. I felt like I needed to hone. So I have somebody else and I pay them to do it for me, which is why the podcast costs me money, Mm -hmm. but it's worth my time because I can put my time into my other businesses. So yeah, it's, it's fun. I really like it. I mean, I know you said that you're, you're kind of like flying by the seat of your pants and figuring it out, but it's fun, isn't it? Really fun. Look, it's funny as you were talking, uh, I've probably said this on a few of these. So anybody who listens to all the episodes, you've heard me say this. Uh, I never in a thousand years imagined uh, doing anything really digital, to be honest, in any way, because our business before COVID person. And I fly around, I still fly around, but uh, (laughs) probably more than most people in a pandemic, but um, that's how I built my business in person coaching and facilitation. And so when the pandemic came, you know, yes, it just created a space. And uh, many people know I I didn't start this one uh, on purpose. I'm still not very purposeful, to be honest with you. I love, just like you, I feel like it's also school. I am benefiting from every conversation with every person. Even if it's somebody I've coached in three jobs, I have to tell you, every one of these, there are golden nuggets where I'm like, you can't get this out of a book. No, yeah. You know, because even if it's in the book, you're reading the book that maybe a person's reading the book and, but they're not really, do you know what I'm saying? Most people don't actually like stop and highlight things or make a note. So I feel like the modality of podcast, having audio, sometimes video, if people choose that, I feel like it's inviting. Yeah. And there's a connection level. I mean, I'm happy to talk to you. I want to know. Right. For sure. It doesn't feel, I mean, while digital has its shortcomings for sure. And I, I believe that there is nothing that can replace in-person interaction, but you can have amazing connections with people virtually. And it's this powerful tool, as much as I just said, you know, I need to break up with my phone and have a digital detox. Mm -hmm. This kind of digital is not what I need to detox from it. This is adding to my life in ways that I could have never imagined. And what I also loved about it, and this is very selfish, but during you know, the pandemic in the last year and a half, when everyone else was talking about the COVID numbers and homeschooling, I was like, well, I just had this amazing person on my podcast and I learned all about the plight of girls in Nepal. And I can talk about something that's positive and it's not an election and it's not a natural disaster and it's not climate change or, you know, I mean, I do, I've had guests on the show. We talk about climate change but we try to talk about the things that we can do in our own lives to make the world better. And that was really a huge part of the podcast for me is I wanted it to be actionable. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to just talk to people and then have them going like, why am I listening? There had to be a, there had to be a, what, like you had to walk away with something. Mm -hmm. And I really hope that every episode people walk away with something that, and then they can go and take action in their own life or their community. I had souls for souls, which is an amazing organization yeah. that donates body shoes. It's body teaster. Right? Oh, yes. Okay. I knew him a thousand years ago in YPO. So yes. that's so funny. I was looking at your things and I'm like, oh my gosh, I actually know people here. Yeah. Body They're teaster, amazing. great organization. And you know what yeah. I did? I boxed, I did a shoe drive in honor of my birthday in September and I boxed up like four or five pair boxes, huge boxes of shoes that I would have just taken to like our local goodwill equivalent. And now those shoes are going to women and men in 
other countries and they are, they're buying them and they're creating a micro enterprise. Mm-hmm. And that's like, that feels so good. My shoes are going somewhere and doing something and giving someone else opportunity. If I never had buddy on the show, I would have just taken them to my local, you know, drop-off site. Yeah. Let me ask you, maybe, maybe you haven't planned this far, but you know, you know, what is your vision for the podcast? Cause like I said, I wasn't kidding when I told you, like when I first looked at it and listened, I'm like, okay, she knows what she's doing. It's like, this is very intentional. It's very consistent. Like, I really believe that if you wanted to monetize it, by the way, you, you probably could. Um, but what, what is your vision? Like, how do you see it developing? Or if you haven't thought about it, maybe we should talk about it today. <laughs> yeah. You know, I have thought about it a little bit and I think of the podcast in kind of two buckets. I think of it personally, um, from a development standpoint, like what's it doing for me. And I will be very honest because transparency is one of my key beliefs as a leader. I started the podcast in part to drive revenue to my beauty counter business. Mm-hmm. I mean that, because again, it's paying for it. Yeah. So my goal was to increase my business and then also further the mission of beauty counter. Is it doing that very much? Um, I don't know. Not, not so much. I actually just added an ad, you know, when people say this, this podcast is supported by, you know, thrive marketplace. So in next week's episode, which will be in, uh, you know, early November, I don't know when this will air, but by the time you listen, there will be a second intro at the beginning of my podcast that says this podcast is supported great. by my business with beauty counter. Yeah, that's great. And that was kind of a, a leap that I made, you know, there's always a fear, like, is that going to turn listeners away? Honestly, I don't care if it does because I have to pay for it somehow. And again, I'm a business person. Why would it turn people off? Aren't people used to that by now? I don't know. I mean, you can hit fast forward. It's not like you can't fast forward, which is normal. Yeah. Another thing too, is I, I, I struggle with having sponsors, um, because I do prefer content that's uninterrupted. That's, you know, uninterrupted. I think it's better. Um, so I'm, as far as that goes, again, perf- personally, there's also a part of it that is about growing my own brand and the brand of this or something better, which encompasses my beauty counter business, the podcast, and in a sense, my consulting business as well, because I work in innovation. Everything I'm doing is making experiences for users better. Yeah. So I've played with ideas of making a website. I just actually saw something that said like websites are thing of the past. So I haven't spent money on a website because I, I kind of agree. Nobody visits podcast websites. Right. So is that a money and time worth spend, spending? Probably not. It's completely true. But I don't know. I don't know what my vision is. You know, I actually, I had a coaching call the other day with, um, Sasha Heinz. Do you know, are you familiar with Dr. Sasha Heinz? She's a positive psychologist. She was a guest on my show. She's a, um, triple Ivy leaguer, Harvard undergrad Penn master's degree in positive psychology, uh, and then Columbia PhD real, you know, very unintelligent gal. (laughs) And she does these as she calls them SOS hot seat coaching sessions. And in an hour, she coaches two people live and you submit yourself to be coached. And so I've been struggling with the, the why behind what I'm doing, because I'm an achiever. I feel like I'm constantly striving when I, and I shared this in, in the hot seat, when I left Nike, I was striving to establish myself outside of Nike. So it took me years to say, when people ask me what I did, I would, I would for many years lead with, I used to work at Nike because that was fancy. And, you know, I have my own consulting business was not as fancy. So I was striving to, you know, make a reputation for myself. And then beauty counter is definitely, if you choose to make it so a business where it's sales driven every month, it starts over. And so I'm striving to to do all those things. And then I create this podcast, which can also be driven by numbers. So I'm striving for downloads. And I mean, that's really the only metric I have. I have people who write me and say they love it, but it's not like a daily occurrence. There's not a whole lot of validation. And at times 
I question like, why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. back to your question, like, what's the vision? And she yeah. said to me, she said, you can be running through a field of flowers and you can be running to your lover or you can be chased by a bear. You're still <laughs> running through the same field of flowers either way. So like you have to figure out what you're running to. And that's what I'm trying to do right now. I'm trying to figure out what I'm running to. And part of that is just taking pause and to assess like what about these businesses bring me joy and what are in alignment, as you said, back to the theme of the show, really like what are in, are in alignment with my life and how I want to be living it and showing up every day for myself and my family. I mean, if I could give my dream vision, the podcast would have hundreds of thousands of listeners and I would have sponsors coming to me and wanting to be on my show. And I would have rich Roll wanting to be on my podcast. He's one of my podcast, like gurus. I, I love his podcast. Um, I would love to be able, he just put out a three and a half hour episode with Simon Hill, who I actually had on my show. Simon is a author of a book called the proof is in the plants. He's an Australian. If you're interested in plant-based eating, he's like my go-to for science. But when I saw his three and a half hour interview, I was like, that's goals to have a podcast where someone will listen to you for three and a half hours. Like you've made it, you've made it. Well, look, it's so funny. Just even the way you just said this. And I'm like, well, of course you can have that big, bold dream. What other kinds are there? So yeah. it was, my brain literally was like, well, wait, of course you can have that. Like, this isn't that hard. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't, believe... I don't want that, but if you want that, you can certainly have it. Yeah. I mean, part of me, I'm an achiever. Like I said, um, yeah. I like public speaking. I like getting asked to moderate things early on. Um, one of our, my guests, non-toxic neighborhoods had a, webinar and they asked me to moderate it. That was really fun. It was a great honor. So like, those are the kind of things that professionally I would like to have more opportunities to do. Yeah, go. So like, that's maybe a part of my vision. I don't, my vision is that I get some really exciting guests who are on my like wish list. I would say yes. I would like to hit a hundred episodes. I actually just planned out if I continue and don't take a break, uh, at all. And I do an episode every week that I will hit that in October of next year, like the very beginning of October. So I've taken a few breaks. Um, I took like a six week break last Thanksgiving to Christmas this summer. I took a break. Um, I was in France. I had a big consulting project and it was just like too much. So you know, it's balancing all the things, keeping it fun is going to be a really important part of it for me that I can be running through the field of flowers to my lover instead of being chased by a bear. That's like, that's the really important part of it (laughs) because it has to be, it has to be adding to my life. One of my friends said this morning, she goes, either it's, I'm going to mess up what her words are either essentially either it's taking you down, distracting for your life, or it's advancing your journey. And right now this is definitely advancing my journey, but maybe at some point it won't. And if I've learned anything, it's either this or something better and it's okay to walk away. It's okay to say this was a part of my life and a part of my journey and I'm going to move on from it. And that's okay too. Yeah. Uh, yes, I, I'm all in. I, I just, uh, I was thinking I'm going to find someone to illustrate, um, either you're running toward your lover and it is the bear or <laughs> running towards your lover and running from the bear at the same time, because I don't know that we always get the choice. And what I love about it is it's your lover in a bear costume, right? It's your lover in a bear costume, or whatever. <laughs> Like this is part of you being intentional, right? As you're as, just for a moment, let me just say, cause I can't help it because I coach people for a living. Yes, please coach away. Watching you. Well, I'm watching you and I'm like, oh, this is how she actually figures it out. Like she's, she has to like have the breakthrough and know it's the thing she's running towards, which I love. 
And by the way, I don't, I, 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 when I was saying to you, of course you can do this, you know, there are people with super famous podcasts, I won't name any names, uh, you know, who are paid, you know, bucks that are half the person of you. Oh, well, thank you. That's a very nice compliment. It could happen. It could happen. I need sure. to put some space into making it happen. And that's yeah. what I haven't done. Uh, because monetization and sponsorships and growing, it takes intentional work and, you know, just posting on your Instagram and having your guests share it and you share it. It's, it's not enough to get massive growth. So yeah, no, you got to play that game strategically. And maybe that's okay. And that's what I'm trying to decide. You know, maybe the, you know, I think my top episode has 1200 downloads, um, which, you know, by Apple podcast standards, I'm in the top 50% of Apple podcasts. So it's not, you know, to have 300 people listening to an episode over the course of a month is actually a pretty good number. Like that's a, from podcasting standards, you know, I'm not Rich Roll or Joe Rogan, but it's pretty darn good. And maybe that's enough. I think like, you know, I love Yvonne Schwinnard. Sorry. means to an end for sure. Yeah. Yvonne Schwinnard is a, a CEO of Patagonia and I love his mentality when it comes to business. And he's, he's been very fortunate. He, you know, he never went public. He was never beholden to shareholder dollars. And he talks very openly about like some years, the business might grow this percent and some years it might not grow at all. And that's okay. Cause what we're doing is good work. And we're about, you know, they're a mission driven B corporation company. Yep. And so because of all the work that I do, you know, it's all about making positive change. Positive change can happen in a really small way. It's very much like beauty counter. It can happen person to person. It can happen in a community. And if I can make an impact in the lives of 300 people or 50 people and inspire them to live healthier, safer lives, to be more uh, productive members of their community, to help you know, reduce their consumption of meat or drive their car less to hopefully offset climate change. Then I'd say that's like, I put that on my tombstone, you know? Yeah, I, I, I think it's wonderful. Look, I think we should uh, see if it's too late for us to get a panel at South by Southwest, because I feel like this, this or something better would fit into the general theme. I don't want them to steal your theme though. So I'm not gonna tell anybody that, but- uh, um, Well, I'm there. There you go. We need yeah. to, uh, we just need to get the people. Reach I, out to South by Southwest and say, I'd like to moderate your panel. I can be there and tell me when. Of course, I mean, that's all things happen. Look, I, I, uh, I know we're running out of time, but let me just say that, um, I feel like the world is ripe, right? Like I said, it, you're so on point with the conversations that are either bubbling in some circles and people are learning how to have a conversation about what is better, what should we be doing? What could all of this mean? And then of course there's been people who've been banging that drum for a long time who are like, welcome to the party, duh. Uh, and, and so somewhere in there when it all comes together, you know, and this becomes more normal thinking, right? Even That's when you were the saying, hope. Like, formaldehyde, you're like putting out those things. I was looking, uh, uh, actually, I was going to buy some beauty counter stuff because uh, Amy Smith is my. Yes. Um, but I was looking at the thing where it starts to talk about chemicals. So it triggered when you talked about it. And I'm like, this should be a normal conversation now. Like this shouldn't be like a big surprise. So you're right. There's still tons of products out there that have been made that are being made with bad things, and there's still a lot of people that are buying it. So clearly, we have work to do. Yeah, not just there, but I could even pull that into pretty much every industry and every topic we we talk about. But um, yeah, I think there's room. There's room for more leaders uh, talking about it in their own way. So I, I hope that I hope that you pursue this in whatever way it means to expand. I mean, whatever expansion means. Yeah. Whatever expansion means I I'm here for it. How much I'm going to commit to it right now is to be determined. It always depends on how many consulting projects I have. Yeah. Right. Real life. 
<laughs> you know, real life gets in the way and I have to, you know, and that's, that's the downside of being someone who does many things is that sometimes one thing has to take, you know, a second seat and that's okay. And I'm grateful for that. So, you know, when I have a big consulting project, do I do as much my, with my beauty counter business? Not as much. Is the podcast a little more stressful? Yes. You know, do I prepare sometimes the night before for a guest? Yeah. I've been, I've done that a few times. Um, hopefully in the episodes, people can't tell, but, <laughs> but you know, that's, that's the, the beauty of the, of the life that I've chosen, the flexibility hmm. to, to make changes and to not have to answer to anyone when I do. And that's a pretty, it's the ultimate luxury freedom. It really freedom and flexibility in this working world is the ultimate luxury. And I hope that someday my child has that in her work, that she can feel fulfilled and that she gets validated and appreciated and also challenged and taught to grow. You know, none of these things are easy. There's always room for improvement, but again, there, it's always on my own terms, which is pretty amazing. I think that should be the new normal. So it really should. It really should. <laughs> Someone asked on Facebook a few, I don't know, a few months ago, a woman I'm friends with, I'm looking for a job that gives me flexibility that I can do on top of my other job. And like with my kit, I'm like, mm -hmm. I knew I would get a, a negative response if I said, and I didn't even say you should consider beauty counter. I said, you should consider direct sales. You know, the business is there for you. You don't have to create it from scratch. Cause that's ex like starting your own business is expensive and it, like, there's insurance that's involved with it. I know I've done it all sorts of things. You have to incorporate like working in direct sales. You don't have to do anything. You sign up, they send you a 1099, you pay the taxes on the money. What you do is up to you. Like, it's pretty awesome. So people, you know, the, the opportunities are ripe out there and I, and as you said, I think companies are letting on to the fact that they, they need to shift and in order to meet the demand of the, the workers, mm -hmm. because people are tired. They want their lives back. And well, as they're, we they're should taking it back, right in there, taking it back. I mean, I know, uh, uh, it, it's a thing. In fact, we're, we're, we are thinking about what the podcast is to support this because the great resignation is a real thing right now. And I have a feeling that after the first and second quarter of next year, when a lot of people get to paid their bonuses, yeah. um, they're thinking about uh, changing their status. So I'll just say that. So I, I do believe this is not going away. Um, yeah, people are looking for meaning. They're, they're looking to do something that feels meaningful. So if their work doesn't feel meaningful, and for those of you listening and watching, uh, if your work doesn't feel meaningful, you know, it's, it's the time it's almost 2022 everybody. And, uh, the theme is, you know, do something meaningful in your life. Yeah. And I will, I will add one last thing to that for anyone who's looking to make those changes. Bonnie Wan, my guest I mentioned earlier has this amazing saying, cause she wrote this life brief and it was all about writing it down. She says, write, And this is a poet, a friend of hers says that writing rearranges the furniture of your brain. Yes. And so if you're looking to make a change in your life, write down what you want. And because we can't have multiple thoughts at once, right? We can only think one thing and we can stir all these things in our head about what it is that we want and how that aligns with our values. I mean, I look at like my skills, you know, my hard skills. I look at my like personal strengths. I look at my passions and I look at my values and if you can get clear on all of those things, then that's when you can really leverage your life. And I, and I'm at that place. I found a place where my, my skills and my strengths align with my passions and my values. And I'm spending my time doing those things in a way that's fulfilling to me personally and professionally. So write it all down people. <laughs> Write it all down, people. I was going to say hashtag goals. I think my daughter would say that. Um, Thank you, right? <laughs> awesome. Reagan, I just want to say thank you. Uh, I knew this was going to be awesome and uh, you don't disappoint. 
And for everybody listening uh, in the ARIA coach portal, um, uh, you might not know this, Reagan, but our, not only do we put this out on Spotify and Apple Music, and I, honestly, I don't even know all the platforms because Gus does it. Someone else does it. I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, so this is everywhere, but uh, in the ariacoach.com portal, um, we have a ton of resources. And so for all of our guests on the podcast, I make sure they can find you. So we will have a link there so people can find your podcast, uh, this or something better, and then any other resources. So if you think of anything else you want to put there, um, I'll send it to you. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. This has been a real pleasure. Um, you know, honestly, uh, this is part of my why, you know, this is part of why I do the work. I feel invigorated after this conversation with you. So thank you for being the bright spot of my day. Awesome. Well, I love that. And I'm glad we could do it on zoom. Um, who knew that zoom was going to be a hashtag Corona, uh, thanks Corona. Uh, thing. So um, with that, I'm just going to close this down, say thank you again to Reagan and uh, everybody have a great day and uh, see you or uh, you'll hear us next time.